All my neighbors called, texted me and said, we've got to get here. A house on the North Shore goes up in flames. Why the contents of the home made the fire even harder to fight. Plus. Yeah, it's not called Vancouver for nothing. You got to expect it. <laughs> Skookum soaker. No umbrellas, but still lots of singing in the rain in Stanley Park. And. You, need to, you owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. Controversy on the court and now a new penalty following Serena Williams' tennis tirade. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. Sonia is off tonight. A house in North Vancouver went up in flames this afternoon. Firefighters had a particularly tough time containing the fire because of hoarding in the home. Grace Key joins us now from North Vancouver with more. Grace. Well, the firefighters are still here at the scene. They've been working on the hot spots. A little difficult to see exactly uh, the house from this spot. It's behind the trees and the bushes here. We're just on Mahone near 21st. Now, the call came in at about 12.40 this afternoon. Firefighters arrived on the scene. They said they saw smoke coming out through the roof. Luckily, no one was home at the time, but a dog and a couple of cats are unaccounted for. It's unclear if they were able to escape. It's believed the fire started in the basement and it worked worked its way up through the roof. The fire chief says it was challenging to battle because of all the accumulation outside and inside the home. It was a very, very difficult fire for the crews. We had to do um, kind of a second alarm just due to the, the amount of, uh, of uh, accumulated uh, stuff in and around the place. So it makes it really, really dangerous for the firefighters when we're trying to work in these conditions. So the fire's knocked down. We're just, just some hot spots at this point here. I was actually at a, a soccer game for my daughter uh, when this happened. And so luckily my neighbours were kind enough. All my neighbours called, texted me and said, you've got to get here. Um, don't want to panic, but the neighbouring house is on fire. So that was one of the neighbours we spoke with. As you can imagine, she was uh, pretty nervous standing there on the side. But she said the firefighters did a great job. They prevented any of the flames from reaching her house. Now, as for the fire, the fire chief says it does not seem suspicious. No cause yet. They are still going to be investigating that. Colleen? All right, Grace, thank you. It's the final night of the Skookum Music Festival in Stanley Park. And other than the top-rung lineup of performers, the weather has been the talk of the event. Like many festivals, umbrellas aren't allowed at Skookum, and with periods of rain since Friday, some concert goers couldn't avoid getting soaked. The rain is also threatening to turn the turf into a mud pit, leaving some wondering if the festival should be held in September. Is the rain putting a damper on the day at all? <laughs> you know, it's happening a wee bit but we're hardcore Vancouverites so we're here and loving the music. Yeah it's not called Vancouver for nothing you got to expect it. <laughs> really it's BC what do you expect? Either you love it or hate it. Where, where we're from it's a horrible drought so rain is wonderful. And you know sometimes <laughs> festivals are just way too hot you know people are yeah but then again that the people wear less clothes and that's kind of fun too. <laughs> okay he's busted now. All right, good attitudes. Yvonne Schell is in Stanley Park tonight. Yvonne, okay, is it going to be raining for the headliners, Blue Rodeo, and then the Killers tonight? 
Uh, there's a good chance actually that the rain is going to taper off, but right now it's uh, pretty heavy. We've got Mother Mother that's just about to take the main stage in behind. Let's take a look at the radar. We've had a steady stream of moisture for many areas across Metro Vancouver throughout the day today. There have been some heavier pockets right now. We're in a heavy pocket here at Stanley Park, but the rain is going to taper off hopefully between 8 and 10 p.m. this evening, and that should be just in time for the killers that are going to take the stage at 9.45. So we'll be keeping a close eye but most people so far are very prepared for the wet weather. We've got ponchos, rain gear. We're not allowed umbrellas, but that doesn't stop people from being here right now. More on your full forecast and what we can anticipate for Monday coming up shortly. Colleen? All right. Thanks, Yvonne. People living in a False Creek neighborhood are so concerned about their community safety. They're holding a public forum Tuesday night. As Tanya Beja reports, they're struggling to deal with the open drug use they say is making their community unsafe. Vancouver's Andy Livingston Park looks more like a dumping ground than an urban oasis. People who live nearby say the area is becoming increasingly unpleasant and unsafe. There is a sense of fear by some of our frail elderly who won't go out and won't walk a block in their streets. I mean, this is not good. Uh, we can't have a urine-soaked mattress sitting in the entrance to our park. A dirty mattress, the most obvious eyesore, but discarded syringes create a minefield for those walking through. You take your dog up to the dog park and you're making sure he doesn't step on needles in the morning. So, yeah, I'm not too happy with this neighborhood. No. It's something that like my partner and I have talked about, about moving out of the area just for his concern too. And he's just a retriever and he picks up garbage all the time. The park borders Crosstown Elementary School. The school board, park board and city sanitation work together to patrol and clean the area. But residents say the mess is just a symptom of a bigger problem. Once people are stabilized in their housing, they need treatment. And we don't see that. There's a desperation around addictions that is not being appropriately addressed. The Crosstown Residents Association is hosting a public forum Tuesday night and calling on all levels of government to step up their efforts, including more treatment for people living with addictions and mental health challenges and more bins nearby. Let's deal at least with the small things. Let's clean the garbage up. What we really don't want is we don't want anyone to tell us to call 311. We've done that. We've been there. Tanya Beja, Global News. Many people in southern Vancouver Island were awoken early this morning by an earthquake. The U.S. Geological Survey says a 3.3 magnitude tremor hit just before 6 o'clock this morning. It was centered in northwest Washington, about 30 kilometers southeast of Victoria, and was felt by many people on southern Vancouver Island. So far, there have been no reports of any damage. A protest was held in the Chilcotin this weekend over a proposed new copper and gold mine in the region. It could be the country's biggest such mine worth billions of dollars. But as Paul Johnson reports, it's up against some major opposition from local First Nations. The stunning beauty of BC's Chilcotin Plateau. Is this country's sacred First Nations land or the site of a resource deposit worth billions to BC's economy? It turns out the answer is both. This area up here is like our church. The Chilcotin tribal government says they'll do whatever it takes to stop a project they believe should be legally dead in the water. 
but for a strange permitting rift between the federal and provincial governments, which allows exploration machines to start drilling as soon as the company can move them in. Basically, we our backs are against the wall, you know, with the Seco mines. You know, their their permit was was approved in BC court, so you know this is our last resort. And there's a big incentive for industry here. Canada's largest undeveloped gold and copper deposit, which Vancouver-based Tosico Mine says would bring thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of revenue to the province. But getting at the minerals means an open pit mine, a tailings pond, and disrupting the natural flow in the watershed. And what we're at right here is right at the verge of the one of the great nurseries of the Chinook and the, uh, and the sockeye salmon. Over the weekend, environmentalist David Suzuki visited to show his solidarity with the Chilcotin, who may return to the courts to try and halt the exploration work. But with global demand for copper and gold expected to grow, BC's miners and the Chilcotin appear to be on a collision course, each with a very different idea of what is valuable. It's no different than us going and trying to turn the, uh, the Vatican into a casino hall or a bingo hall for, for, for the name of profit. There's some things money can't buy. Religion and spirituality is one of them. Paul Johnson, Global News. And there was a rally in South Surrey today to protect an eagle habitat threatened by development. But central to town planning is the inclusion of green spaces and the wildlife that they contain. The group claims trees containing more than 50 eagles' nests have been chopped down in Metro Vancouver over the past few years. They say the birds and their habitat should have been protected by the BC Wildlife Act. And here is a prime example of somebody who's just totally, totally and absolutely disregarded that purely, we believe, for profit. Today's rally was prompted when a tree with an eagle's nest had to be taken down by the city in late July due to previous attempts to chop it down illegally. A little town on Vancouver Island is preparing for a major movie shoot. Sonic the Hedgehog is filming on the central to North Island and traffic disruptions are expected next week. Starting tomorrow, Highway 19 from Cumberland to Buckley Bay will be closed for four days to accommodate film crews. A detour will be in place near Bowser until Friday. Further south, Ladysmith is preparing to welcome Hollywood heavyweights but insists it's still open for business. In the heart of Ladysmith, First Avenue is getting the Hollywood treatment. The town has been buzzing with this, so uh, we're super excited. It's absolutely fantastic. It's exciting. The energy is out of this world. The town of 8,500 being transformed into Green Hills, Montana. We have a sheriff's department, the bakery, a donut shop and uh, the post office is going to be in the hotel. It's the backdrop for a blockbuster. Sonic the Hedgehog will bring the early 90s super speed video game icon to the big screen, starring Jim Carrey, among others. The budget is around $90 million for the production and $7 million for their uh, full filming budget and all of the work here in Ladysmith. Filming not set to start until September 14th, but businesses, including this paint store, already seeing the spin-off. 
It's amazing. I love it. I've been loving it. It's nice to see uh, all the buildings getting spruced up a little bit. And there's certainly been lots of people coming down to check on it. So it's been good for business as well. Deadpool filming kicked 40 million in direct spending into the local economy. And Creative BC predicts this mega shoot will have a similar injection on the island. I expect, you know, Sonic is probably very close or on par with the kind of impact that Deadpool has. I think it's very exciting for the town. It's given it a new, fresh look. And if business owners like the new look, that fresh coat of paint can stay once filming is finished. It's getting a great facelift, uh, free from a taxpayer perspective. A big win for this small town. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A Vancouver City Councillor is calling on the province to do something to prevent what he fears will be low voter turnout in next, next month's civic elections. George Affleck says campaign finance restrictions combined with municipal elections taking place earlier in the year could cause fewer voters to go to the polls on October 20th. The NPA Vancouver councillor has submitted a motion to urge the premier to look at the issue and act to ensure people get out and vote. This is about democracy, and while the impetus and the changes to the election finance reform I've supported, but there are flaws to it, and I think that one of the flaws is the fact that there is now control of the finances for parties. That has uh, that positive thing, but also it means that there's not an injection of millions of dollars into the market for advertising. That won't happen now, uh, and so a lot of people won't know about it. For too long, Indigenous cultures have been absent from BC school curriculums, but more and more that's starting to change. In Burnaby, staff and First Nations students are using a sacred ritual. As Sonia Deal reports, it's one designed to encourage kids to keep coming back to class. Students at Burnaby Central getting back into their routines inside, but outside a special drum circle where kids from Indigenous backgrounds are getting the chance to connect with their culture. And I find it's very cool and interesting and awesome that we get to engage in our own culture that was stripped away from us. We would have never learned about this kind of stuff because it's kind of been buried away in the past, but to be able to uncover it and be able to finally realize who we are as people and as a community, I think it's an amazing opportunity. Hey, how are you feeling? The idea came after Indigenous youth engagement worker Karina Chase noticed the students at most risk of dropping out of school were the ones lacking a sense of identity. We struggled a lot with um, absenteeism and lots of kids, they don't feel like they connect and belong at the school. So I brought the drum in, encouraged them, supported them and they would show up to drum circle and then they had more buy-in that they had a place of belonging. Knowledge keeper John Sam leads the drum circle every week and says he missed out on this kind of learning as a kid. I was brought up in foster homes, so I didn't know what the culture was or or what the, where it came from or or the identity of being being a First Nation. The drumming part in itself is easy because it's just like you play a steady beat, but the vocals are pretty hard to learn because you have to be loud but you also have to like sound kind of good you can really feel the power like there's just it's all your ancestors all the people you love are with you and you can just really feel it in your heart you just you get you just feel so good i feel good 
A great success story for the Burnaby School District, showing us that learning about who you are is just as important as learning about the world. Sonia Diol, Global News. Embracing the region's First Nations history, Tofino now has its very own totem pole. A large crowd gathered for the totem raising in Anchor Park at Main and 3rd Streets in downtown Tofino. Tolokwiat artist Joe David carved the pole in honor of the hereditary chief. The master carver was inspired by the lack of First Nations artwork on display in Tofino. David started working on the four and a half meter totem pole in May and completed it last month. He hopes it will help Tofino's more than one million annual visitors understand the importance of the past, present and future. Where's, where's the true face of this place, this, the, the power of this place, the beaches and the mountains and the whales and the salmon and the birds? Where's the face of my people? It's nowhere. And I knew that I had to make that totem pole to, to express my question and a definite answer to that. And that's that pole. No, uh, Joe David carved it for, uh, in, in honor of his granddaughter. But it could represent all of our own children and the responsibility that we have to, to the children. It's so unique and it's so special when I can recognize this uh, and I can know this is a Tofino. Oh, it's absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Breathtaking. Inspiring. David gifted the totem pole to the district of Tofino to ensure the history of the area's indigenous people is known. Well, wet weather didn't deter dozens from supporting those living with Parkinson's disease this morning. The annual Parkinson's Superwalk in Stanley Park is one of about 24 walks being held this month across the province. About 13,000 British Columbians live with the disease, including the program director of CKNW Radio. Last August, uh, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and so uh, the Parkinson Society of British Columbia has been there with me since day one. It was one of my first phone calls, and they've been supportive to me and my family uh, for the last year, and I, I suspect for the years to come, uh, with support and facilities and you know just recommendations and just uh, somebody to just complain to every now and again about, like, why me? Animal lovers and their four-legged friends walk through David Lamb Park today for the annual Pause for a Cause. It's one of six events in support of the BCSBCA happening across the province. Funds raised help the group treat abused, neglected, injured and homeless animals. We rely entirely on community donations to fund the work that we do with homeless and injured and abused animals. So days like this are crucial in our ability to help the animals who come into our care. Cutie. I love these little guys. They are pretty a, adorable. Bit of a sucker when it comes to four-legged creatures. Uh, I like two-legged ones, too. Um, you're going to be dealing with some two-legged... I'm a creature, is that what you're saying? ...creatures tonight. Uh, before we talk about that, Yvonne... She's taking the bullet for the team <laughs> down in the rain tonight. Is it raining there yet? Yes, it is raining down here. And it was raining around this time yesterday. There isn't as much.
many people, but there's even more people today. Mother Mother is just taking the main stage and the big headliner that everyone's waiting for will be the killers this evening. There is a bit of a break on the way from the rain, but it is going to be a soggy start to our Monday, so I'll have more on that coming back. But a great turnout, people are prepared, lots of ponchos and rain gears. I've got my wellies on and a lot of people have good footwear on, I'm noticing as well. So a great turnout so far and the rain isn't stopping anyone from coming down. Guys? They're prepared. Thanks, Yvonne. In the Maritimes, thousands of cruise ship passengers en route to Bermuda found themselves docking in Halifax instead today. The Norwegian Dawn had to be diverted because of Florence. Norwegian Cruise Lines says that safety and security is a top priority and that due to the nature of a cruise vacation, itinerary changes sometimes become necessary for a myriad of reasons, including weather. Many on board say despite knowing the risks in booking during hurricane season, they're still disappointed. I've been robbed. I cried, cried for an entire day straight. We were kind of upset. Uh, we're from Maine, so it's not very far from Canada. We've been to Bermuda before, so it's okay. It's a beautiful city. I can't wait to explore it. I've been uh, all over the place, but not here. Passengers are not being reimbursed for the change. After Halifax, the cruise ship is also making stops in Sydney and St. John before returning to Boston later this week. A cruise line says a German pop singer is missing at sea off Newfoundland. Danielle Kubelboek apparently fell off a ship earlier today. Ada Cruises says the ship was stopped and returned to the spot where the 33-year-old was believed to have entered the water. He was a contestant in the 2003 season of the national talent show Germany Seeks the Superstar. We have some breaking news out of Haida Gwaii right now. A floating lodge that reportedly has fuel on board has run aground near Skittigat Inlet. The Coast Guard says it's working with the owners of the barge and local contractors to create a salvage plan for the vessel and to mitigate any potential environmental risk. And we have some breaking news out of the U.S. CBS CEO Leslie Moonves has resigned just hours after more sexual misconduct allegations surfaced. The New Yorker reported that six more women have come forward with accusations, including that Moonves allegedly forced them to perform oral sex and retaliated when their advance, his advance, advances were rebuffed. Moonves has acknowledged having relations with three of the women, but said they were consensual and that he never used his position to hurt women's careers. Last month, six other women accused Moonves of misconduct. A statement on CBS's website says his resignation is effective immediately. There are unconfirmed reports of a multi-million dollar payout. Like for the last two nights, thousands are flocking to Stanley Park tonight despite the rain. And while the Skookum Festival is a hit with fans, the three-day event is also helping people gain access to music therapy. Michael Newman is in Stanley Park with more on that. Michael. 
We're here in iconic Stanley Park where Skookum Festival is happening, where multiple bands are taking the stage, and music is the center of attention, and the official charity is Music Heals. I'm here with the executive director. So, so tell me what Music Heals is about and um, what kind of work that you guys do in the community. We're a national charity based in Vancouver, and we raise money and awareness for music therapy. Uh, music therapy typically isn't funded by the government, uh, so you need someone to fundraise for it, and we fundraise for programs that include burn units, kids, palliative care, NICU, uh, rehabilitation, uh, bereavement programs, dementia, you name it. Yeah. And so how does an event like Skookum kind of lend itself well to the, the work that you guys do? It serves both purposes. It helps with awareness and it also helps us fundraise. So Skookum has the Skookum Foundation that they've started. So part proceeds of every ticket go to Music Heals. And so the money that we're getting from this festival we're putting into local music therapy programs. The two programs that this festival will fund, uh, one is Shiway, which is in the downtown east side. It's a pregnancy outreach program. Uh, so um, moms with babies up to 18 months uh, who might be facing trauma or addiction or anything to give them a positive experience. And the second one is actually going to be in a Squamish nation uh, using a bereavement music therapy style to help with reconciliation. So when you start to see how it's used uh, with Alzheimer's and different dementia, uh, people who are forgetting their kids' names might remember every lyric of a song from when they they were 12 or 13 years old. Right. So a music therapist, which is a university degree, Cap University is the big program for Western Canada. They train them. So if you and I were to go in with a guitar, it's entertainment, yeah. that's music therapy. And when you see that used, it's motivation to keep going. That's amazing. So yeah. First of all, thank you for this important work. That's that's a, a vital part of our society. That, I mean, I know music for me personally is, is, is a big part of my life. And so the work that you guys are able to do and be part of this festival, it's amazing. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. All right. We're going to send it back to you. Michael. And now about the weather. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell has been in Stanley Park for all three nights of Skookum Fest and you know it, it would be disappointing if it wasn't raining again tonight. <laughs> exactly and the crowds are even bigger even though it's raining. Uh, it's not stopping people from coming down and they are well prepared. We're actually hoping to see a few breaks when the killers take the stage but let's get to the forecast and what we're seeing right now. On the latest satellite and radar we do have that wave of moisture. There's been heavier pockets many spots across the island as well. We can see that still continuing to push its way in. I anticipate we'll see a break within the next hour to two so things should time out fantastic as we get in towards the latter half of the evening. Tower cam overlooking Lions Bay, uh, Lionsgate Bridge rather. Temperatures are sitting at 15 with a northeasterly wind at 13 kilometers. We were briefly at 17 degrees, a cooler day. The average for this time of the year sits at 19 degrees. We still have some moisture and very windy conditions for areas along the water. Interior sections, a slight risk of a thunderstorm. Some instability will kick up once again for tomorrow, but we are seeing moisture throughout much of the interior sections. The southern interior, as we advance this, for the morning it'll be dry. Coastal sections will still see another round of rain. Interior sections for the southern half of the province, it's by the afternoon that the next round of moisture is gonna push in. And as we get in towards our Tuesday, Wednesday, we're still seeing on and off showers. Across the province for the peace, showers tomorrow, temperatures up to 11 degrees. White Horse, we've been seeing breaks with some sunshine and dry over the next few days. Most areas along the coast at 16 with on and off showers. On Wednesday, 15 degrees. Caribou and Central Interior, risk of a thunderstorm with 14. Columbia and Kootenai for tomorrow, also seeing that instability up to 20 degrees. Warm moisture will push in by the afternoon for both the Thompson Okanagan. Whistler up to 15 degrees, showers on and off. Along the island will be at 16 and our five day forecast, it's a soggy one, but 
The silver lining is that we will see a break for the afternoon tomorrow. The heaviest rain will be for the morning hours and then come Tuesday, Wednesday, it's on and off shower activities. All right, Paul Reynolds, you are a very busy man. You're the festival director. <laughs> it is day three. We need to catch up. How's it been going so far? Absolutely flawless. With the exception of the weather, we've had an amazing couple of days here. What, uh, what are the numbers? I know when I came on Friday, it was very busy, but the crowds are even busier this evening or oh, more, yeah. more this Absolutely. Evening. I mean, all told, I think we're going to be looking at over 50,000 people across the three days. Uh, Saturday, last night with Florence and the Machine was about 18,500, and it was absolutely magic here. You've got art as well as food, and those have also been a real big hit at the festival. Talk a little bit about the food and the vendors that have come to this year's festival. Well, the, the, yeah, it's been such a big hit, they've had trouble keeping up, frankly. So, you know, a lot of learnings. It's a first-year event, but uh, the guys that are here have had an amazing time. People have loved the food. We just, the volume of trying to serve everybody and, and whatnot is just, it's been a challenge, but it, it's been great. Everybody's happy, and, uh, and we want to come back and do it again. We're in Vancouver. The rain isn't stopping anyone. Our big question is hoping to have this festival again for next year? Absolutely. That's the plan. Well, thank you so much. You've been a very busy man. It's been a huge success. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. And uh, this evening, the killers are taking the stage at what time? That's right. 9.45. Excellent. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Paul. We'll send it back to you, Colleen. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. When I saw you. Oh, it's yeah, fun it to is, say. It is fun to say. And you heard it here first. The first annual, likely. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. No. Pray for sunshine next year. Pretty popular. There's some great bands. you got to admit. No kidding. No. But I'm going to entertain y'all as well. Yes, please. It'll be as uh, Skookum Sports, for sure. Thank you, Colleen. Just uh, five years ago, the Seahawks and Broncos met in the Super Bowl, which Seattle won in a blowout. We don't expect either of them will be back in the big game this season, both in rebuild mode. Seattle with massive changes to keep personnel on both sides of the ball in the offseason. But one familiar face, back on defense. After just two days of practice after holding out all preseason is Earl Thomas. And hey, who needs practice? First quarter, Bronco new quarterback Case Keenum's throw picked off by Thomas. Read it beautifully, returns it all the way to the Bronco 15, and the Seahawks turn it into instant points. Russell Wilson, great play fake, lofts it to the rookie tight end, Will Disley, for the touchdown. I guess we did not see that. Anyway, 7 nothing. but Broncos did come right back. Keenum finds Philip Lindsay, ties it up 7-7. Late first, Wilson will find Disley again, and the rookie is hard to tackle. Breaks a couple of them. Supposed to be a blocking tight end, this kid. Well, he can run with the ball as well. Seahawks in business again. So they flip fields to start the second quarter. Wilson to newcomer Brandon Marshall. And it's a touchdown, but upon... Further review, Marshall, the big man, pushed off. Pretty blatant touchdown wiped out by penalty. Seattle settles for a field goal, but they led 10-7. Broncos regain the lead. Keenum over the middle to Emmanuel Sanders. Takes it all the way, flipping out at the goal line for the touchdown. 43-yard scoring play, 17-10. Broncos at the half, but in the third, Seahawks will tie it up. Russell Wilson to Brandon Marshall, 20-yard touchdown. This one counts. No push-off there. Oh, maybe a little one, but it counted. 17-all. Then in the fourth, Seahawks take the lead. Russell connects on a 51-yarder with Tyler Lockett wide open behind the secondary. 24-20 Seattle. Wilson, 298 yards passing and three touchdowns. But Denver gets it right back. Keenum to Demarius Thomas just gets the tippy-toes down there. They reviewed it, but it's a good touchdown. 
27-24 Broncos. Seahawks really never threatened to tie it. Late fourth, Wilson, final play of the game, picked off by Pac-Man Jones. Seahawks lost their best receiver, Doug Baldwin, to an MSCL sprain as well. Seattle falls short 27-24. They visit Chicago next Monday. Some breaking news from the Sunday nighter and a possible nightmare scenario for Green Bay Packer fans. Aaron Rodgers gets sacked on this play, goes down awkwardly, twists the knee, also took a knee to the head, taken off the field on the cart, headed to the locker room. That would be a disaster if Rodgers is out for a long time. Bears lead at 10-0 late first half. Minnesota Vikings paid Kirk Cousins 84, uh, Kirk Cousins 84 million for three years, taken on the 49ers and Cousins showing he's worth the money, hit Stephon Diggs for the 22-yarder, 10-0 Vikes. Third quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo, who was outstanding after he came over from the Patriots late last year, but uh, Minnesota defense pretty good. Mike Hughes with the pick six, 28 yards, 17-3 Minnesota. Then Cousins to Kyle Rudolph for the touchdown, 24-6 for the Purple Guys. Vikings defense ranked number one last year, did the rest. They sacked Garoppolo three times, picked him off three times including this one late in the fourth. Vikes take it 24-16. Seahawks can at least uh, love it that an NFC West team took a loss early in the season as well. And the 49ers are expected to have a good year. Another NFC West rival, Arizona Cardinals, hosting Washington. Second quarter, Alex Smith, the former Kansas City Chief quarterback, finds Chris Thompson, 13-yard touchdown, 7-0 Washington. And Washington put up three touchdowns in the second quarter. Smith to Jordan Reed, who just dives across the goal line. Washington takes it 24-6. So all of the NFC West teams losing today. The Rams play tomorrow night in Oakland. Dallas Cowboys at the Carolina Panthers. Two very athletic QBs in Dak Prescott and Cam Newton. And Newton made the bigger plays. This one, a four-yard touchdown run to get Carolina on the board. A low-scoring game. Defense is dominated. Panthers built up a 16-0 lead and take it 16-8. Tom Brady and the Patriots taking on the Texans. First quarter after a turnover, third and 12. It'll be Tom to Gronk. That combination has uh, been working a lot of magic over the years. Gronkowski against two. It's an unfair fight. You need three to cover Gronk. 7-0 New England. Later in the quarter, somewhere in that pile, this is bad news for the Texans and also for Vancouver football fans. Vancouver's Christian Covington, the Texans' defensive end, a left thigh injury, left the game. Last year he tore his bicep, missed a big chunk of the year. Hopefully that's not serious. Meanwhile, the 41-year-old Brady making it look easy. Little pitch and catch here with Philip Dorsett. 21-6 New England at the half. But Houston made a game of it. Deshaun Watson to Bruce Ellington cut it to 27-20, but that's the way it ends. Patriots start the season with another victory. And one more, Steelers and Browns. Cleveland went 0-16 last year. Third quarter, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers look like they're on their way to handing them another loss. Antonio Brown, who else? Perfect pass to the back shoulder. Steelers led 21-7 in the fourth, but the Browns rally down seven under two to go. Tyrod Taylor, the former Bill quarterback, in the end zone for Josh Gordon, and this is an NFL-caliber catch. Outstanding grab in traffic. 
Great concentration for Gordon. Tie game, we need overtime. In OT, Cleveland got a late turnover. 43-yard field goal for the win, but Zane Gonzalez cannot get enough height. It is blocked. Browns denied their first win since 2016, but it wasn't a loss. Baby steps, Browns fans. Baby steps. It ends in a 21-all draw. Welcome back. All of the drama at the U.S. Open was used up Saturday with the Serena Williams blow-up. Today in the men's final, Novak Djokovic took the drama out of it early, cruising to a straight-sets win over Juan Martin Del Potro. It's the third U.S. Open title for Djokovic and his 14th career Grand Slam, tying him with Pete Sampras for third all-time. Djokovic has won 14 of their 18 career meetings, now 15 of 19 on serve in the first. Djokovic battles back from... Love 40 to win five straight points, gets the break, takes the first set 6-3. Del Potro won this event in 2009, has been playing very well, but Djokovic had all the answers today. Great lob. Del Potro with the always dangerous between the legs a shot, but the Joker will put it away. It's another break, would win the second set in a tie break. Third set, Djokovic again with another Deep defensive lob, then lunges to return the hard smash. Del Potro is long, and it's another break of serve. Djokovic in control in this match, just played the big points better. That's what it takes to win at the Grand Slam level. Match point, Djokovic on the attack again. Will put away the overhead to win the U.S. Open. His third title in New York, he now moves past Del Potro into the number three world rankings and his second straight Grand Slam this year after winning Wimbledon in July. The Joker certainly back in top form. Going back to yesterday, Serena has been fined $17,000 today after her big outburst in yesterday's U.S. Women's Final. She was dinged $10,000 for verbal abuse of an official, $4,000 for receiving coaching, and another $3,000 for racket abuse. If you're wondering, her paycheck for finishing runner-up was just under $2 million. We'll have more on the on-court controversy with Serena coming up later in the news. Heavy rain forced the postponement of the final round of the BMW Championship today near Philadelphia. They will try to get the round in tomorrow with so much on the line for players trying to get into the top 30. They will do everything they can to get it in tomorrow, but more rain is in the forecast. Justin Rose leads by a shot after three rounds. And in baseball, Mariners and Yankees, Seattle trying to avoid the sweep to keep those faint playoff hopes alive. Bottom of the first, Cameron Maben with the base hit scores Nelson Cruz. Seattle led two to one. Now in the eighth, tied at two. Runner on third, Robinson Cano with the grounder infield in, but Mitch Hanniger still beats the throw home. Seattle wins 3-2 as they enter the final three weeks of the MLB season, seven and a half behind Oakland for the wild card. 19 left. Seattle's probably going to have to win 16 of them just to have a chance. So my math is telling me that's going to be tough to do. Yeah, they got their work cut out for them. Okay, as Barry mentioned earlier, we have more fallout tonight from Saturday's controversial finish to the women's final at the U.S. tennis tournament. Um, Was it a case of poor sportsmanship or sexism against one of the game's biggest stars? You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. After a match marked by penalties and passions, Naomi Osaka's historic victory over Serena Williams looked more bitter than sweet. Today, the 20-year-old was still pinching herself. You're not totally excited, you're not totally thrilled? Well, part of me is totally sure that 
It's not a game right now. But for Williams, it was a nightmare. I don't cheat to win, I'd rather lose. And set off a conversation about sexism in sports. After Williams attacked umpire Carlos Ramos over a series of penalties. You will never, ever, ever be on another court of mine as long as you live. You are the liar. She accused him of sexism. There are men out here that do a lot more sports than I'm but male stars like Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal have also accused Ramos of double standards after he penalized them. Still, Williams' claims attracting support from athletes and celebrities. Tennis legend Billie Jean King thanking Williams. Tweeting, when a woman is emotional, she's hysterical and she's penalized for it. When a man does the same, he's outspoken and there are no repercussions. That is not right. Williams' outburst will cost her. The U.S. Tennis Association today fining Williams $17,000 for a coaching violation, racket abuse, and verbal abuse. For Osaka, a victory is a victory. Is this the way you wanted to win? It's not necessarily the way that I dreamt of winning, but um, in my dreams, I always won in the end. A win that no controversy can tarnish. Matt Bradley, NBC News, New York. We've been talking about this all day. Barry and mm. I have just been talking about yeah. this. I think, the, you know, the, I don't like to bring, blame referees, but if he gets out front and says, Serena, you have two warnings, you got to stop because I'm going to have no option but to give you the third one, which is a game penalty. If he says that and she still keeps at him, then that's on her. He could have de-escalated. Easily. Could I think that the best referees are the ones who calm the storm before it blows up. So. Well, speaking about calming the storm, I don't know if Yvonne's that powerful, but she is. give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to have some breaks, and it looks like we may just get a couple. For those who are coming down for the headliner tonight, the Killers, uh, the rain is going to taper off, so it'll be within the next hour or so for most areas. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, and the crowds are getting even bigger. So far, great success at Skookum, guys. Absolutely, and, and thank you for spending the last three nights out there in the rain. <laughs> Appreciate it. He's a warrior. Thanks, Yvonne, and thank you for joining us tonight. Have a great one. Good night. Good night.